for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Seche. How's it going today, Seche? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it, it's been one of those weird mornings where it's like humid out, but it's not hot out. So it's, I don't know, it's it's weird right now, but uh, <laughs> just getting used to Get, getting back used to this Texas weather. I've been down in Florida for the last three months. So, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, so, you know, just kind of trying to get back into the swing of things here. But uh, first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast this morning and getting a chance to talk about your uh, new music video, Black Country Girl, and, uh, you know, all the cool stuff you got going on. Um, but before we jump into all that, what's kind of your uh, background? What got you into music? Stuff of that nature. Yeah, so my, my background is actually in, in engineering. My, my first professional background is in engineering. Um, but I've always loved music, songwriting, and dancing. I, but because I was such a nerd... When I was growing up, everyone laughed at me when I tried to sing or dance or do anything that wasn't nerdy <laughs> because everyone put me in this box, in this lane. Like, this is your lane <laughs> over <Yeah>. here. <laughs> and I also bought into that and I thought, oh, I couldn't do any of this. Um, but later on, I just began to explore and I was amazed at how create musically creative I was. Mm -hmm. And I decided not to stay in that box and I continued writing songs. I continued singing. I actually took voice lessons and so on. I was like, oh, I don't have to buy into the fact that I can't sing or I can dance. I can actually learn to. And yeah. I've been pretty good at it. So um, that's what that's how I eventually got into music in general, was just doing it for the fun of it. And then I realized it was pretty good and I was getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of interest. So I decided to go professional. Awesome. Um, and you're in San Diego now. Uh, you're not born and raised in San Diego. Where are you from originally? No, no. I was born and raised in Wakanda. Wakanda forever. <laughs> no, I was born and raised in Cameroon. Okay. Um, yeah, West Africa. And then uh, when did you come over to the States? About 16 years ago. Okay. And, uh, in fact, in about... In about in about six days will be my 16th anniversary. Oh, nice. Oh, and where did you uh, land when you came to America? Ooh, take a wild guess. Uh, I read, I think I read somewhere in Mississippi, right? Or uh, somewhere, uh, no? You're close, it's closer to Mississippi than it is to here. Um, it was Iowa. <laughs> Iowa, okay. Yeah. I would have not. I mean, I grew up in Illinois. I grew up on the south side of oh. Chicago. So I, oh. a lot of my uh, uh, cousins went to college in Iowa. So Really? Yeah. Please tell me they didn't go to University of Iowa. Please tell me they didn't go uh, to University of Iowa. They're Hawkeyes. 
oh no we can't have this conversation anymore I, I'm, I'm not a hawkeye one. i'm not a hawkeye so i okay good then i forgive you we can carry on yeah. <laughs> i that that is not me i did not get in they didn't want me so i went down to southern illinois and i became a salute okay so. i used to live in illinois when i worked for caterpillar oh yeah they have a huge plant in jolie not joliet um Julian. what's that Julianne and Aurora. Aurora, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's awesome. And then, so you landed in Iowa, and what, so what was kind of the journey once you got to the states, as far as just personally? Yeah. So I I got to Iowa, and you know everyone says Iowa is boring, but it was so interesting for me. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of diversity at least on the campus mm -hmm. you know compared to my country where it's mostly um at least, at least as far as race goes it's mostly yeah. the same and i come to iowa to the university where there's all kinds of people and all kinds of things going on so for me it was very interesting plenty of things to do and the people were really warm and friendly and so i i actually wrote this song called i wish the whole world was like iowa <laughs> and everyone's like what what? <laughs> but I had a great time there. And while I was there, I studied abroad um, in Singapore. Uh -huh. um, and then later I did an internship in Germany. Nice. And then I also did one one semester in uh, in Georgia. Okay. I took like three classes over the summer. Um, anyway, when I graduated, then I worked for Caterpillar. And with Caterpillar, I moved around the country. I started out in Illinois. And then I moved to San Diego mm -hmm. and then Mississippi and then back to Illinois. Yeah. And after that, um, after Caterpillar, I moved back to San Diego and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Nice. And are you still working uh, while you're pursuing music? Are you still working for Caterpillar currently or are you 100% music? I am not 100% music, but I'm not working for Caterpillar. So I also do diversity, inclusion, and equity. I'm a trainer and consultant. Mm -hmm. And I also integrate my music and art into a lot of that. So that's my my, my passion is, you know, driving more building bridges mm -hmm. that creates more inclusive and equitable communities. Yeah. So part of that is through the DEI consulting and training. And part of that is through music and other forms of art and comedy and storytelling. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So it's all leading up to my main goal, which is driving inclusive communities. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one thing that I noticed on your website or was uh, building include, or like I noticed it on your website that that was a big driver for you is building yes. an inclusive community and being authentic to yourself. Uh, yes. And we'll, we'll definitely get to that here in a second. I, I want to talk about your music career and stuff or your musical aspirations and stuff like that. Um, okay. so you've been in the U S now for 16 years. Uh, you started playing music before you came to the U S though, right? Not on a professional level. No, Okay, but you, you were I, like, you learned how to play back when you were in, uh, yes, I learned how to play piano, um, and a couple other instruments. And then I learned, and then I had been singing in the choir. That was about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then, so you moved to the U S and started pursuing music professionally. Who were some of your, uh, inspirations as far as musically speaking? 
But my biggest inspiration has always, has always been Michael Jackson. Most of my biggest inspirations are dead. Um, Miriam McKeba, Brenda Fassi, um, Winnie Houston, uh, and, and some, yeah, many of my inspirations are dead. But I do have current day inspirations too. Um, I love Rissy, Rissy Palmer and Nikki Guyton. They are, they are, um, countries, they're African-American country singers. Mm. Um, and I just love the music. I, I love the authenticity. Um, yes. And then there's another person called Jodie Messina. She's a, a country singer as well. I really love her music. Gotcha. Um, what kind of drew you to country music? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. All right. I when I went to Iowa, there was this uh, there was this uh, couple who organized the International Friendships Fair, and one of the things they did was an annual hayride or biannual. It wasn't uh, it was, yeah, it was annual. It was in the fall um, hayride. So we go on this farm, and you know we ride the tractor around and sit on the hay in the back of the in the back of the tractor. Yeah, and ride around, and we pick berries and things from apples from the farm. And then there was country line dancing. There was just a bunch of farm stuff, farm life. And I just fell in love with that. And it was just country line dancing. And I felt I fell in love with that. I couldn't wait to go to Hayride every year. I was like, why don't we do this more often? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then I, I uh, um, consequently ended up joining a band, mm. uh, a dance group there called the Onion Creek Band. And I was one of the dancers. And they, we're not even talking country western. This is like old, old old country like even irish it was more of coggling of oh, sorry of clogging and, mm-hmm. and 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 barn dance than it really yeah. was what we typically think of country western yeah so i mean just from the name onion creek band you can imagine yeah and, so and was i was the more... only one in my generation <laughs> yeah was it more folk music is it was that a more accurate way to describe what the onion creek band was yeah, it was more like folk country music. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 way more accurate. And I I was probably the only one under sixty years old, um, in the band. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And so as I moved around the country, everywhere I went, I tried to find a country line dancing group. And so I've been parts of many different country line dancing groups and bands. So I would say I fell in love with the dance first, mm-hmm. before the actual music. However, this is interesting. Um, it turns out, you know, here I was thinking my first exposure to country music was at, uh, was, was at the hair rights, and that's how yeah. I just fell in love. And then even then, I was like, keeping it quiet, keeping it quiet. It wasn't until about three years ago that my brother and I both discovered um, that each other were country music lovers. It's like, we're not supposed to be back in country, right? So it's not something we talk about often. And so we're in the same family. We hear a lot that we're all in the closet about our love for country music. <laughs> and then I realized the last time I went home that my dad is a huge country music fan. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, I grew up on country music. Yeah, all these songs that my dad used to listen to, we were listening to all the time was country, which is why we both love country, but somehow when I came here, 
I don't know how it became it identified in my head that you know I can't be back and love country music, yeah. which I even forgot that I grew up on it and I had to rediscover. Yeah. <laughs> and like form a new strong bond with my dad based on the fact that he's huge country lover. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. And so at what point did you start uh pursuing country music uh professionally? So as like, I wrote as a my singer. First- uh-huh. I wrote my first country song in 2013. That that was actually Black Country Girl. Okay. But I had not released it yet. I didn't release it until this year. Yeah. Um, but it was I had written it. And then I, I recorded a demo about three years ago, three or four years ago, but I hadn't released it yet. Um I had other priorities um that I was working on. Yeah. in my life but i did start music professionally in 2015 i just didn't start with the country music yeah um even though i had already written that one and, and some other country songs but i had not produced them yet i have so many songs that are still in the demo version that mm. i haven't produced yet yeah. um but the first country song i've officially produced is the and, and i've officially released is the black country girl which i did this year Oh, I, I released the audio last year and the music video this year. Awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about the song itself first, and then we'll go into the music video for Black Country Girl. Uh, okay. What was the original idea behind the song as you were kind of going through the process of writing it? All right. <laughs> so I did not even know that I was going to write a country song, but yes, here's what happened. Yes, I knew I loved country music and I was part of the band and, you know, and the groups, but I never thought I would ever um, identify as country. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when I moved to Mississippi, my friend uh, Shamara, she she has a she, she she's my very good friend. She has a wonderful voice and just enough energy enough power. Yeah, and I yeah. was begging her to teach me how to sing like how she said, "Okay, I'll try." And she would teach me, and I would try, and she'd be like, "Hmm." You sound so country. I'm like, no, no way. Just like, okay, let's try again. I should try and try. And then no matter how hard I tried, she kept saying, honey, you sound so country. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to sound country. I want to sound like you. Of course, in my mind, it's taboo to be black and country. I can be black and country. That's what was going through my mind. Yeah. Um, and so I was saying, no. And she kept insisting, honey, it's okay. Embrace it. It's okay to be country. You sound so country and you do a lot of country stuff. It's okay. Embrace it. I was like, really? Am I really country? And then the engineer with me would not believe it unless I have numbers and data to back it up. So I went around town carrying out informal interviews with anyone and everyone I could, asking them, do you see yourself as country? And if so, what makes you country? And then I put all this data together, broke it down, analyzed it, and realized, oh, Voila, the verdict is in. I am 87.39% country. I was like, oh, no denying that. <laughs> and so then I wrote a song about how country I was. Um, and so I just took some of the key points from the data that I, um, the analysis I have made, you know, I just took some of the key points. Everything cannot fit in a song. But yeah, yeah I just use that. I use the song to tell the story about, well, I'm black, but I'm country, and it's okay. Yeah. And Absolutely. of course, at the time, I didn't even realize that country was 
there was many black people in the country, but we'll talk about that more when we're talking about the authenticity and challenge yeah. and so on. Absolutely, absolutely. So you said you wrote Black Country Girl back in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think it took you almost seven years to kind of release the song? What do you think was holding you back or what what kind of went into that process of waiting that long or yeah? Good question. One is um, the song is a bit of a fusion. Um, so, so I wrote it in 2013, but I didn't start releasing music professionally until 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just released what was um, easiest to at the time. Yeah. So, and since this song is a bit of a fusion of country and, and Afro pop, um, I had a bit of a struggle finding the right um, producer to mix, finding the right mixture. So I found a really good producer yeah. um, in Cameroon who did the the um, initial um, instrumental, but it wasn't country enough. It was more of the Afropop part than it was country. Yeah. yeah. And even though it was a really, really good song, like it was, it's really cool, and everyone who listens to it liked it. But I was like, ah, I want to hear some. I want to hear more of the country elements now because they're not associated in this culture. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's making it happen. And then when I brought it here, and I wanted other people to, I wanted people who are used to country music to add on to it. Many producers, you know, um, and and um, staying authentic to themselves, saying. Why don't you just start over? Let's just do an actual country one. They didn't see how it would flow. And so they were honest about, I don't want to venture into this. I don't want to try this. We're talking about two different words. But finally, I did find a producer who was willing to venture into mixing the two. And so that worked out. But so so that was part of it was me not having the right instrumental. But now that I think back on it, I should have just put out what I had. And I could always remix it and re-release, you know. Yeah. I, I should have just put out what I had. Um, but then also the other challenge was just other personal life challenges. And I had just had to prioritize uh, different things at different times. So I did go through this period of like four years where I didn't release anything mm-hmm. <laughs> at all yeah. of any genre. Yeah. I gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for Black Country Girl, you released a music video for it. Um, yes. and that was, when did you release that this year? Was so it- I released that on February 14th during the heart of black history month, the heart of black history month, Valentine's day. Um, and I did that on that day as a tribute to the, all the unsung influencers, all the unsung black influencers of country music, history, and culture. So that was like in honor of them. So I did it in the heart of Black History Month because there have been so many. Um, here I was thinking, oh, I couldn't be Black in country. Whereas in reality, I, I, whenever I told people about my song Black Country Girl, they would think, oh, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> but and I used to think it was an oxymoron, you know. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's not an oxymoron. It only appears that way due to the lack of representation of Black people in country music history and culture, despite their significant contribution. So, um, so I, oh, I lost my train of talk. 
What was the question again? Uh, ba- basically, what was the idea, or not, or why did you wait. um wait to, or? Oh, when did I release it? When yeah. did I release it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I released it in honor of the, all the black people who have been um, influencers of country music history and culture. Gotcha. Yeah. And did you always, when you decided that you were getting ready to release the single, uh, b- back in 2020 or last year, I guess mm-hmm. I, I don't have to preface 2020, but when you uh, re- getting ready to release the single last year, did you already know that you wanted to turn that into a music video or did like the success of the song kind of inspire, Oh, Hey, we should probably do a music video for this. Yes, I already knew I wanted to do a music video. In fact, I had hoped to do the music video last year, um, but it just didn't work out logistically. And then especially yeah. with the pandemic and stuff, so it just didn't work out logistically. Gotcha. So I was able to complete it um, early this year, and then I released it in February. Yeah, but I had always wanted to do a music video. Gotcha, gotcha. Although the music video I had in mind was a lot more involved and comprehensive. Yeah. Um, but I had to do, I, I just did what I could do with the resources that I had and within the constraints of the era we're living in. Yeah, I got you. Um, and then for the music video, how how much of the idea and the concept was yours or did you like lean on a videographer to come up with the idea? What was kind of the creative process behind the music video? Yeah. Great. So my, my creative process was, well, what do I want to convey in this music video? And and I will explain that in a bit. Then um, I was, and then I articulated that on paper and then the videographer's job was to figure out how to bring it to life. Yeah. So and he did a great job. He incorporated new concepts I had not thought about <laughs> yeah. when I was laying out what I wanted to look like. So he made it, he made the story come out more. Um, you know, he's a, he's a videographer, you know, there's that's their expertise. Mm. I can say one thing and I think that's enough, but he has been doing this for years. You know, he knows best yeah. how to make it come out. And and I really loved working with a videographer because he, he was okay pushing back at my ideas. And he was, and he was also okay if I, when I pushed back at his ideas, like he wouldn't take it personal. So that was this great relationship that we felt free to suggest things or push back without mm-hmm. um, um, being antagonistic or attacking or anything. Yeah. Sometimes in the past, there's some people I've worked with and I might push back on their idea and they take it as a personal attack and that's not always healthy. Yeah. And then I could end up with a product I don't really like. <laughs> oh yeah, and so that, I love that's that. The we key felt... is to make sure you yeah. end up with a product that you really like. And if yes, if there's no give and take, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So sorry, I didn't yeah. Mean to interrupt you. Yeah. So I was really glad that he had he felt the complete freedom to push back as desired, and I felt the freedom to push back as 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 needed. And we came up with we ended up with something that I really loved. Um, and then as far as what story does it tell, the music video tell. So of course you have the lyrics which tell that story of me moving down to the South and and, and realizing that I fit right in. Oh my God, uh, over here, this and that is done, just like me, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, and then 
So you have that whole story going on, but then you also have the integration of cultures. Mm -hmm. So it's like at first you see me, I am, you know, I'm, I'm dressed in completely African garbs and, and then I come and I fall in love with this country culture and I'm dressed in completely the cowgirl Western cultures. And then by the end of it, you see I'm actually integrating and mixing both cultures. So you see my costumes are an integration of African and country Western. Yeah. Um, and so that's really cool. And then you also have me um, embracing um, patriotism. Mm -hmm. However, and then this also reflects my story, like coming to America, I, I loved everything about America. I idealized America. Like it's this perfect place. It's indispensable. It's the land of the free, home of the brave. You know, it's great, great, great. I idealized it. And then over time, I saw that, oh no, there's some skeletons in the closet and there are some things that are definitely wrong and need to be fixed and need to be changed. And that was a very somber experience for me, like anyone else who wakes up to the reality yeah. in, the, in, the, in the country. So in my music video, you see that, you know, I, I embrace patriotism a lot, but somewhere down the line, I discovered the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm dealing with that experience. So by the end of the music video, you see me. Um, um, I have, I still have all my American flag apparel. All my clothing is American flag, but I have a neck gator that has a face of George Floyd on it to show that, yeah, America is cool, but there's a lot of messed up stuff that needs to be addressed. And, oh, yeah. you know, this George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and, and, and Ahmad Abri, their stories are part of the American story too. And we need to acknowledge it and address it in order for that reality to change. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's kind of what the music video, um, but in a nutshell, that's the music video. Yes. Uh, you touched on this uh, briefly while talking about the music video, but the entire music video just drips in authenticity, authentically you, which yes. kind of transitions into uh, your authenticity challenge that I saw posted on your website. Uh, what kind of is, or what is that? What is the idea behind it? Absolutely. So the idea behind it is that people should share the parts of their identity that are normally perceived as oxymorons <laughs> or, or paradoxes. Yeah. Um, so like for me, I, despite me being so country, I was distancing myself from it because I thought I couldn't be. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, that's not, I, I don't know. <laughs> I want to yeah. be like you. I don't want to be country because in my mind, country is, you know, in my in my mind, country is not meant for black people. And if I am being country, I'm encroaching. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, so I, I put myself in this box, but society put us in this box and then we put ourselves, we double down on it. We put ourselves in this box. I wasn't embracing my authentic self. I was thinking I have a certain lane. I have a certain mm. box. <laughs> That's where I have to be. But then when I opened up and opened myself to the possibilities and embraced all of who I am, it is so enriching. It is so enlightening. I was like, yes, I can be black and country. Yeah. And this was before I even knew that black people had anything to do with country. This was before I knew all the, all the untold legacies of black people in country. So, um, and then now that I know that, it's even like more powerful. Like, wow, there's there's all this, there's mm. there's all this tribe I have no idea existed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I want people to share those parts of themselves 
that uh, people usually consider paradoxes or oxymoron. Like when I say black country girl, they think it's an oxymoron. When I say I'm an educator and, a, and, a, and an entertainer, so I'm an entertainer, yeah. people think, oh, that's a paradox. When I say I did engineering before and now I do people engineering, they're like, that's an oxymoron, people engineering. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's about sharing those uh, paradoxes. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, that just launched, or that challenge launched in July, right? You just launched that as a yes. And there's a whole, there's a video up on your website that can kind of explain more details on it, right? Mm-hmm. If people want to participate, or is it more yes. of just uh, is is it more of just uh, trying to get people to address the stuff that people don't perceive them as or is there like an actual i i don't know what i'm trying to ask right now i just had a brain fart um sorry about that no, I, th- I think i know what you're trying to ask you're trying to ask how do people participate there you go that's the question i'm looking for absolutely so if you go to my website and see the video you'd see the example um and yeah. and in the link i will put now if you're on tiktok yeah. It's better if there's two ways to participate. And either way, you use the soundtrack of my song, Black Country Girl, because that's like the anthem for yeah. the authenticity challenge. You're saying, hey, Black Country Girl is not an oxymoron. So um, I'd appreciate if people use the soundtrack, Black Country Girl, and then use the, uh, the hashtag authenticity challenge and defying stereotypes. The end goal is to contribute to defying stereotypes. So there's two ways to participate. One is real easy for those who don't like to do any editing, which is you just stitch the first five seconds of what I said. Yeah. You know, I the first five seconds go stitch this with your um stitch this with what your perceived oxymorons are. And then after that you just tell your story. Mm-hmm. So you have those first second five seconds of me talking, and then you tell your story. That's all. And the other, the more complex part is Starting out with, if you see with my with my challenger, I'm where I'm dressed all country, but you can't see my face. Yeah, and I'm saying, um, oh, I I'm such a I love country line dancing, and I'm dancing, but you can't see my face or my hands or my feet. You can't see the color of my skin. Yeah, and then I turn around and I'm following the lyrics of the song, and I turn around and say, people stare at me in shock. So when you saw that country stuff, you probably didn't think I was black, and when I turn around, you're in shock that I'm black. <laughs> And I say I'm a black country girl. So then you, um, so so yeah, that's that's the other way you can do the challenge, is you can start out with a look where people wouldn't be able to tell mm-hmm. who it is, and then when yeah. you turn around, you're in this different outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and you so, the person like, and then and then totally you like integrate the two. Yeah, and you're like, so, yes, I'm a black country girl, or it could be I'm a, I'm I'm a educator entertainer i'm an engineer this it could be whatever you want to put on it yeah so the the video could be as simple or complex as you want to make it essentially exactly it can be as simple or as complex as you want to make it it could just be as simple as just telling your story hey someone told me someone uh told me the other day and she's gonna make a video about it oh i'm a i'm an anti-zionist jew i'm like okay tell me more what does that mean yeah (laughs) So it could be as simple 
or as complex as you want to make it. Nice. Awesome. And I think it's a great challenge. Like with every, with all the challenges that are going on TikTok right now, I think this one is really cool and people can get really get behind and um, yes, I'm do everything yes. I can to help support it. So. Oh, thank you so much. What is your, and I'm curious, what is your, own, what is one of, sometimes we have so many of these quote-unquote oxymoronic identities. What is one of yours I'd like to hear? Uh, I mean, it, ooh, um, I'm, I'm going to have to think on that one a little bit because okay. like, I, I'm so open about everything that, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I used to be a baker back in the day, and then I just wow. kind of found out I wasn't really that good at it. So, okay. like, I mean, I don't know if that's a positive or if that's really an oxymoron, but for me, like, I'm just so open about everything. And if I like what I like, I don't like what I don't like. And if you don't, if uh-huh. you don't care, doesn't bother me. So, like, my brain's wired a little bit different, I guess. Uh-huh. So, um, but I guess, let's see. I'm just looking around my apartment right now to see if there's anything that triggers me that says, um, I mean, I do have an affinity for uh, odd musicals, like not like mainstream musicals, but I like Uh watching stuff that people don't even really consider musicals. Like um, that thing you do is probably one of my favorite musicals. It's uh, it's a little bit out there, but you know, I enjoy watching stuff like that. So. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I think things like that can work. You know, it's the thing that when you tell people about you, they're shocked. Yeah. I, Anything I that when you tell people about you, they're shocked. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that, that's kind of where my brain was trying to go a little bit. But uh-huh. it's like anytime I tell somebody I'm what I like, if I like I collect baseball cards, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Or mm-hmm. I play video games or I watch musicals or I listen to. Oh, wait, hold on. I got one for you. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. This, this one kind of gets people. Um, okay. When I was in college, we used to listen to Miley Cyrus on the regular. Okay. That, that, that was, that was probably, that's probably the biggest one. But, okay. <laughs> so it, it was kind okay. of party in the USA was our drunken anthem. Okay. We, so yeah, that that's, Okay. There we go. I, Sorry in the USA. <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, it, it, it is those things that when you tell people about you, they, they, they're shocked. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's where it, I don't know why that didn't immediately pop in my head because I haven't listened to the song in about a year, but, you know, it's in college. <laughs> You could tell because a bunch of my roommates, we got a house after we left the dorms. And every Friday night, you could tell when we were getting ramped up to go uh-huh. that that song was blaring on one of the three speak uh, stereo systems in the house. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so, so cool. That is yeah. so cool. So, yeah, uh, that's the authenticity, what the authenticity challenge is about. But I love that you're asking me other questions because, you know, it's giving me another way to reframe it. Like, yes. tell me the thing that when you tell people about yourself, gets them shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that makes it easier gotcha yeah no, that, yeah that, that, <laughs> like just trying to find different ways to communicate the idea is always yes. good so yes. now that the uh, music video for black country girl is out the singles out the authenticity challenge is starting to pick up some traction what's kind mm-hmm. of the uh, plan moving forward 
So the plan moving forward is to uh, release, I'm, I'm working on some other country music yeah. and non-country music. So as far as genre goes, I see myself as, as more fluid because um, I have all these different cultures that I am uh, in love with <laughs> and yeah. different musical genres that I'm in love with. And and so I have some, some things in the works that are, Country and not country. Yeah. Yeah. That's that I'm hoping to release here by the end of the year or maybe next year. Mm -hmm. um, but right now I'm trying to lay down like all the, uh, I'm trying to lay down a lot of the infrastructure, mm -hmm. just the music infrastructure for running a music business because yeah. it is a business. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it when musicians treat the music, their music as a business. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you're going to get your hand caught in the cookie jar or you're going to get, mm -hmm. you know, you need to treat it like a business. Yes. It's a passion and you love it, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you need to treat it like a business. Mm -hmm. So no, I love, I love it when musicians do that. Um, yes. And that, so you, you're kind of working towards that. Are you eventually looking at the idea of doing an album or do you kind of see yourself staying in the realm of doing singles and just kind of releasing singles? genre someday aside. when i have enough money money and resources i might just do a whole album i have enough demos right now to do an album yeah but what i what i think i might need to do is um have like all my i have enough demos for at least two albums yeah Oh wow! and then i have many other songs that i have written but i'm not i've not necessarily recorded the demo for yeah. um I want to have enough songs in one genre. Like I said, I'm genre fluid. So my yeah. songs are all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I love it when musicians are genre fluid and they're not defined by one genre, but uh -huh. it, it, it's also kind of that weird balance where if you spend a lot of time for like, let's say just for the sake of the conversation for the next five years, you focus so heavy on country music. And mm -hmm. then after that, you start working an Afro punk genre, you know, or Afro pop genre, and people associate you so much with one genre that when you change, it's kind of like, no, I don't know how I like this. But if you're just kind of always genre fluid, I think that's really cool. And people well, which which one do you like? When one's always genre fluid, or when one focuses on one and then moves to the other? It, it goes back to authenticity. Like if you're okay. if you like multiple genres of music. Mm -hmm. and you just kind of are always dabbling in a little bit of everything that's mm -hmm. great but if you're a hundred percent country or a hundred percent yeah if, if that that's what you like stay mm -hmm. in that lane and then what i don't like is when somebody dedicates their career 20 years to country music and it's like mm -hmm. oh i think i'm gonna uh hip-hop is really big right now so i think i'm gonna go become a hip-hop artist no. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you kind of get where I'm going. It's like, <laughs> yes, no, I see what you mean. You just spent I 20 years as a country musician. Don't jump over into another genre because it's popular right now. Because it's hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. And the way our brain works when we've associated this person with one genre and they suddenly jump off into another, uh, even if it's a really good song, yeah. Our brain might not register that because yeah. it's like doesn't compute, doesn't compute, doesn't yeah. compute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, and I, I mean, 
if you're good at it, cool. But if you're just doing it because it's popular, it's like because no. it's popular. Yeah. Right. 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 That's right. It goes back to the authenticity. You know, are you yeah. doing it because it's popular? Are you doing it because you really feel it and you really yeah. um, want it, or you're just going to what's hot right now? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, as for- I have, I have all kinds from Latin music to Bollywood to I just I'm so, I'm so fluid. It's not even funny. <laughs> nice. that's awesome and do, do you kind of attribute that to your the amount of traveling you've done like your time over in korea uh mm-hmm. germany the states mm-hmm. and then of course being raised in uh west africa do you kind of attribute that your yes yeah, so i i travel a lot i've been to over 40 countries and lived in five continents um within the last 16 years um so yeah and when i travel the the um the best way I, I find to connect with people is through the music and fashion. So um, I would buy the, the clothing made by the, tra- the people, the traditional clothing and different things, and they will show me, they will, they will dress me up and you know just help me um, integrate and just learn. And I would go to their homes and, do, um, and try to do the things they do just to learn and appreciate the culture. And then teach me the music, the dance. So that's the way I've found most easiest to connect with different cultures. And so, yeah, that's why I think I'm so genre fluid is that I, I love travel. And when I travel, I'm not a, I'm not a tourist. Yeah. I just don't go and, yeah, let's go see the sites and let's do the touristic things. I get in and get involved with the people. One day of me hanging out with locals is much better than two weeks as a tourist. Yeah. So... So I think that has really influenced my genre fluidity. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And I, I do performances in all kinds of genres. I, I, yeah, I've done all kinds of different performances. Well, speaking of performances, obviously with the pandemic, things have kind of been a little bit harder as far as live performances. How or during a normal year? How often are you usually out doing live shows or performing? So it depends on what year. Like I said, there was this period of like four years during which I hardly did anything. Yeah. Um, uh, but prior to that, some years I maybe did 10 to 15 okay. live performances. Is that um, a month or a year? A year. Okay. Some of this, I, I, some, while you have a full-time job, it's not that easy to travel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so I would travel for some of these performances. Yeah. As you know, some of them are out of the country, some of them are in other states and so on. Um, and with a full-time job, it just wasn't easy to do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 100%, and so, 100% agree. So. Yeah. But now I'm trying to get to that point where I can do more. I'm not quite ready to be doing a lot yet, especially with what's happening. I'm not quite ready to get out there and perform. It's 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 time consuming. Yeah. Um. So I've been only right now. I'm just okay with local performances. I mean, I would travel if they pay me really, really good. That yeah. it will be worth it. But, um, but I am trying to take care of some other things, mm-hmm. and then I would get back to performing because I really enjoy performing. Yeah, it's just I don't like the work that comes with it and all the logistics you have to arrange. And so yeah. on. gotcha. Uh, speak, 
while we're on that topic, and especially oh, when you have all these dancers and so on, and you have to arrange all these things. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, as uh, since we're on the topic of performing, what's been your most memorable uh, performance or moment performing? Great question. Which one was most memorable? Hmm. It's not the one you would expect. Okay. <laughs> So this was actually three years ago in Vietnam. Okay. Um, I was in this cultural exchange with um, this community, this, this village in, in Vietnam, five hours away from Ho Chi Minh City. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking I was going to perform for 10 to 15 people in this, um, in this village, 10 to 15 kids. At least that was the arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> Before I knew it, the whole village came out. The neighboring villages came out. Yeah, so and it was like, well, there was a whole high school that brought a school bus, <laughs> brought, brought the kids. The school bus, like, I was like, whoa! But it's not so much the numbers that made it great. It was the experience, the cultural exchange. You know, I got to talk about my country and different cultural experiences. I got to teach them some dancing. They got to teach me some of theirs. And it was just an amazing time. I felt like I was just, do you have those moments or those periods where you just feel like euphoria? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was me for like five days. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then after that, I just continued to have this euphoria for like maybe the next year or so. But like, it was like this intense euphoria for like five days. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's really and then cool. And over into the next year. Just the, and then the, the ironies, we didn't even speak the same language. So we had a communication barrier, but somehow we were all just having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, <laughs> is there a place that you haven't played yet that you really want? Like either a country, state? Or... I would love to play at the Grand Opry and I haven't played in Nashville. I haven't performed in Nashville. Um, so someday, hopefully I'll make it to the Grand Opry. Nice. I'm sure you will. I'm sure it'll happen. Now, Thank you. <laughs> I, I haven't been inside the Opry. I've only been outside of it because, uh, last January before the pandemic, uh, kind of locked everyone down. Uh, my buddies and I, we went to Nashville and we, when we do our business trips for live and amplified, it's very rare that we have free time. But this uh-huh. day we had like four hours free. And so we decided to go to the Opry because we were in Nashville and it was the cheapest thing we could do because uh-huh. going down uh, Broadway there, it's really expensive to park and it's just like, no, we're good. Um, so we walked around <laughs> the Opry and that was really cool. Wish we could have gotten a tour or seen a show or whatever, but, you know, just kind of being there knowing like all these great musicians have played there is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and some of the greatest musicians haven't played there. Yes, we yep. just didn't know about them yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I have met. I don't know if you know about Columbia Country Radio. I do not. I receive Palmer. No. So the purpose is to uh, is to shine a light to a lot of this country artists of color. Because you know how country is usually predominantly white and clay, and there's all this country artists of color nobody knows about, ever heard about. So anyway, I've been following the radio, and uh, 
wow, I have met some amazing, amazing artists nobody has ever heard about. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying nobody. People have, they have yeah. their followings and so on. The, the mainstream hasn't heard about. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. And let me not say nobody. No. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have they have followings, and yeah. and and now I'm one of them. <laughs> now I'm that, one of their followers. Yeah, that's actually um, been a thing that I've had to try and break is saying nobody's heard because that's very, right. I don't want to say demeaning, but that just kind of right. throws away all the hard work for the thousands exactly. of followers that they've built on their own without any support. Exactly. So, exactly. But. Yeah. And now I'm one of those followers. And boy, am I glad. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. So, yeah. So that's why I say a lot of great musicians haven't sang. Yeah. Other grand opera, a lot of good musicians haven't gone mainstream yet, but yeah. they're great. I'm like really enjoying, enjoying, enjoying. Yeah. <laughs> that's been one of the best journeys about everything that we've been doing for the last five and a half years is uh -huh. we've heard some of the best musicians, like 90% of my Spotify playlist now is musicians that have under 5,000 active followers on Spotify. So, mm -hmm. and they produce like some of the best music I've ever heard. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's awesome and really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that and, we like, and also I got a grant from the Columbia Country Radio. So they even have grants that it would give to some, um, some of this artists to follow. So I, I just got a grant recently, like a couple of days ago. Oh, nice. I got a grant. Uh, the, it's called the Columbia Country Fund. Nice. And that's yeah. to go towards your music to uh, help with the recording process and stuff like that? Yes. It's to help with your music or your life. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing music independently is hard, especially as a as a person of color in country. So it's to it's, it's to help with that, with whatever you need. But the, 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 the aim is, is to, it's to help you, enable you to continue making music. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. That's, and what was kind of the, for the, any uh, uh, musicians out there that may be interested in something like that, what was the uh, like um, submission process like for the, for the grant through the Color Me Country Radio? So, so if you, if you Google Color Me Country Radio, um, or if you Google Risi Palmer, because mm -hmm. she runs that radio show, um, you would find that information. The Colony Country Fund or Colony Country Radio or Risi Palmer, you would find that information. And that process is easy. It's pretty much send her an email. Mm -hmm. Send her an email on your country music or Americana music or roots, anything yeah. in that genre. Um, yeah, send send her your music. And you know she sees that you're a country and you ask for an email. And if the funds are available, she will send it to you. There is no crazy process whatsoever. Nice. It's as simple as just send an email with one line. If possible, even go ahead and include your PayPal in the email. That's awesome. Um, and, and, you know, as the funds are available, she gives them out. Nice. That's amazing. That's really awesome. I'm glad that there are people that are, there's musicians out there that have, for lack of better terms, made it. And they're kind of paying it forward, helping younger musicians or lesser known musicians kind of be able yes. to continue to follow their dreams. Absolutely. And um, also there's another resource I want to talk about. Yes. It's called Change. By the way, if you're listening, you can also donate to the Colombia Country Fund. So go to that website, 
you can donate to it if you want. Or you can, if you're in country and you're an artist of color, you can also ask for the funds. Um, and then there's another resource I want to talk about. It's called the Change Country Pledge. Yeah. And if you go to that website, you can see people who have pledged resources. So there's many people who have made it somehow or at least have some resources and they realize that there is this huge barrier in the country industry. And, and, and there's these barriers in any industry, but specifically is prevalent in country music, <laughs> in the country music world. And so some people have pledged, you know, they could be radio DJs or radio promoters, or they could be journalists, or they could be, um, there's, there's many resources there. So these people have pledged that they would help out a, 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 a country artist of color, whether it's by writing an article about the story or it is by promoting them on their radio show or it's whatever, you know, those people there who have pledged different things, which is which makes it so much easier. And I just discovered this only, <laughs> only uh, within the last week or two or so yeah. um, through... Through my um, connection at Rolling Stone, there's an entertainment journalist at Rolling Stone who's been very helpful to me throughout this process. Um, I only met him this year. I mean, we haven't physically met, mm -hmm. but I had emailed him saying, wow, I really love the piece that he wrote about black, some people in, um, some black women in country music. So we've been in communication ever since. And he's been a tremendous help and tremendous resources. But yeah, before I would try to figure out who writes about what so I can reach out to them and even then you're not sure you know you don't hear back mm -hmm. but going to this resource where these are people have pledged I would help x number of artists of color in country music with x y and z yeah that is huge so if anyone's out there listening please go check that out it's called the change country pledge mm -hmm. and you can find resources that will help you or you might have a resource you want to pledge mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll make sure when I post the audio version of this on Spotify, I'll put the links to all that. Okay. I'll, I'll do a, I'll look for it and see if I can find or like specific links to put in there. So people know where to, where to go and what have you. So Absolutely. it'll be, make it as easy as possible for everyone. Absolutely. Um, but one of the things that we like to do on live and amplified is we like to make sure we're cultivating the next generation of musicians and we always know anytime that we go live on Facebook or anytime we post anything, there's that little boy or girl in a small town in Iowa that want to get into music, but don't know how, or don't think they're good enough. What piece of advice would you have for a young person that's looking to get into music or a young musician that wants to take that next step? I'll say do it. Do it, do it. And what do I mean by that? I mean, today, and I wish I knew this earlier, I was a very social media shy person. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a shy person. I'm very bubbly and very outgoing. But when it comes to like social media, I just am not interested. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I like to interact with the people in front of me. Yeah. And I, so I could have leveraged social media more. I could have gone over my social, I could you know, just get over the social media shyness. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I don't want, you know, I, I, I also used to view it wrongly, like, oh, it's about bragging, like it's bragging and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. Get over that. <laughs> yeah. 
Together that, there's someone out there who needs to hear your story. There's someone there out there who needs to hear your song. So get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. Don't see it as bragging or show up. Get over yourself. Just do it. There is someone out there who would email you and say, you have no idea how much your song touches me. You have no idea what this means to me. Yeah. So it's not about you. <laughs> Just get out and do it. Do it for the people you're going to impact. And then another thing I would stress is um, email list. Mm-hmm. So, and I wish I had leverages. I thought, oh, email list is, 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 is old. It's about, we just have to go to social media. Anything can happen to social media at any time. Mm-hmm. You can have your thousands or millions of followers and that disappears overnight. Yeah, They change the algorithm or the social media itself goes away. Those people who had millions mm-hmm. of followers on MySpace and MySpace is no more. Yeah. So be sure to... Um, so have your the emails of your of your followers, you know, those who are really into you, and that way you can keep in touch, and that's yours regardless of what any social media platform decides to do. Mm-hmm. Like Facebook, right now you post stuff on Facebook, no one sees it, yeah, unless you're like super super famous. But now you have to pay for your followers to actually see your stuff. Yeah. So algorithms can change anytime. So um, have an email list. Another thing, look for partnerships. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier when you have a partnership than if you're trying to do it all solo. When you can, with, with all the technology we have nowadays and, 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 and TikTok and all the social media, you can do whatever, but it's sometimes there are discouraging times. Um, just with life, not only with music, with life in general, if you have a partnership, that makes it a lot easier because you reinforce each other. So whether it's a partnership as in a DJ, uh, or a producer or another singer or songwriter. If you have someone who you're in this with, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, I don't want to say the music industry's changed a lot over the last 10 years, but it's, if you're kind of open to the idea of social media and stuff like that, it's, gotten easier to find your audience mm-hmm. yeah so um and it still it still costs money sometimes yeah. but at least you can find them if you have the money to yeah i mean facebook it costs money but i still think instagram there there's a couple of platforms at least from my perspective that you could still build a authentic okay. audience base just by posting consistently and I, mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of where Instagram comes into play. You can like, I don't spend any money on my Instagram account and I'm, I still get, you know, I don't post as much as I need to, but you know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's a different story, but I, I'm right. still able to grow the following through Instagram. And then actually you were talking about partnerships and stuff. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is actually a really good platform to build mm-hmm. because I've gotten more potential sponsorship connects and partnerships through LinkedIn than I have any other social media platform. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I've never actually thought about LinkedIn for as far as my music goes. Yeah. I do use LinkedIn for the other professional stuff, but not for the professional music yet. I think I should. Yeah. Here's the thing with your clients. So they, you know, this is the world we live in. People put you in boxes. Yeah. People put you in boxes. Yep. <laughs> and so sometimes I wish 
I had a separate name for my music than my real name, just mm -hmm. so that people don't put pigeonhole me. Like sometimes, um, when a client of mine finds out I do music, they then think I'm not really good at what I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. They then come for like, oh, okay, you can't be this and that. And that brings us back to authenticity. Yes, I can. Yeah, you can. You really can. <laughs> yes, I can. But most people's minds don't work like that. Yep. <laughs> yep. And actually, it's kind of funny that you brought that up because I had somebody message me two or three weeks ago. Uh, back when we first started doing Live and Amplified, we do a lot of live performance videos mm -hmm. um, just to get for a for musicians that can't really afford to get out into the studio and record mm -hmm. yeah this isn't studio recording but it's good enough to get your music out there and if you want to start doing live gigs or whatever it's mm -hmm. an authentic representation of what a live show would look like or could look mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um and so a couple of weeks ago i had a guy that we did a few videos for a few years ago he reached out and he's like hey not really doing music anymore. I went back to school and got my law degree and now I'm trying to get a job as a lawyer. Can you take those videos down? Because I don't want people to think I'm not good at my job because I was a musician at one point. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was just yeah. kind of, it's kind of interesting that you brought that up mm -hmm. and I had that interaction with this guy a few few weeks ago. So Yeah. 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 I feel like I do run into that roadblock sometimes where people say, oh, instead of seeing that as a benefit, you know, right? Yeah. Like, wow, this gives you competitive advantage. Like you have this other means through which you can build bridges mm -hmm. and, and, and influence people. They instead see it as, oh, okay, you can't be really good at this because you do this and you do this really well. It's strange. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's strange. Something that should be a competitive advantage. Like, wow, you've got so many tools in your toolkit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Instead it's no. You can't be this and that, which is why this, I think it's authenticity challenge is so powerful because mm -hmm. there's many people who are this and that, but they don't talk about it because they will get dismissed in another area mm -hmm. or pigeonholed. Yep. Okay. You know how to do music. Oh, you just stand up comedy. Okay. Now I pigeonhole you into the music. You're yep. no longer a corporate trainer. <laughs> You're yep. no longer an engineer. You're no longer a diverse inclusion person. Yep. And sometimes it also depends on one's demographic or race, because like when you, you when you belong to the majority, um, when you belong to the majority in a context, it's easier for people to see you as an individual and as a complex human being with complex heart mm -hmm. than when you're in a minority. It's so much easier to get pigeonholed. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and seen as a monolith, like you're not a complex person. Yep, absolutely. You know and. Yeah, I 100% agree. That that's basically that that's basically that is I 100% agree. Um, so, outside of music, what, obviously you had a career as an engineer, and um, the diversity and inclusion is a. I, I don't know. I don't want to consider it a new passion for you because that's not 100% accurate. But outside of music, what are some of the things that you like to do? Uh, what are some of your hobbies? You know, stuff like that. I love just hanging out with people, getting to know people, get their stories, even people who think very different than me, people who have very different perspectives. I enjoy um, having those conversations and getting to know them and getting to peel back what their beliefs and narratives are. And, and the key term here is peel back, not pile on. 
Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to have this conversation because I want to pile on them what I know yeah. or what facts I know. I'm trying to convince them about anything. Yeah. But I want to peel back yeah. the narratives they're spewing and how they got to that. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that to be more effective at building bridges than trying to pile on. I'm not trying to tell you any facts because people have alternative facts. Today, we don't even know if blue is blue. Um, so I just like to peel back and understand what, um, how people got to where they got. And then I also love, I would summarize this with the word adventure. Okay. So whatever is, you're trying all kinds of new things or old things, whatever is skiing, bungee jumping, whatever. You know, I just, I just love adventure. I like to try new things. Um, I might like it, I might not like it, but I want to try it. If I like it and I fall in love with it and I do it more often, great. If it's just, yeah, yeah, I'll do it whenever fine, but I really love adventure. And of course, I love traveling. I love languages. I really love languages. Um, nice. I speak about uh, four and a half languages. Or should I say one language and four halves? <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> because I'm only fluent in one language. And the uh -huh. rest, I... I have I can have conversations. I can even read and write sometimes, but I'm not as fluent as I am in English. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So and then I can say greetings in over 50 languages from around the world. I in some languages I can say as many as 30 phrases, and others I can say just like two or three phrases. Yeah. But I really love languages, and I find it it um at, uh, as an easy way for me to connect and break the ice yeah. with people from different backgrounds. But the danger about that is. Sometimes I will greet someone in their language or say something to them in their language, and there will be so much shock and joy, and they think I'm their new best friend. Yeah. And then they'll start telling me the story of their life in that language, and I'm like, sorry, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like you tried or you learned enough to say hello or uh, uh, a greeting, and then they misrepresent mm -hmm. that as, oh, you can speak fluent Japanese. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and apparently, I say with a good enough accent that they assume that I speak the rest of the language. <laughs> so I had to go back and start learning in most of this language, this of this language is how to say, I don't speak the language yeah. <laughs> in that language. Yeah, that's. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. One day, I I ended up being a a translator, translator, quote unquote, <laughs> for a woman who was very frustrated. I'm at the airport and she spoke um, uh, Telugu. Telugu is a, it's one of the Indian lang languages. Mm -hmm. So just be, she had been there, and this was before smartphones was really a thing. Yeah. I mean, there were smartphones, but I'm a late adopter. So this was, this was when smartphones were just beginning to start out. So it's not like today where you can actually just Google Translate and stuff to help yeah. you. So this woman had been frustrated <laughs> forever at that airport trying to get someone to try to communicate something. Mm -hmm. and, and when I came by um, and I was talking with whoever and then I saw the woman talk and then I said something to her in our language and, she was, <gasps> and now I became her quote-unquote translation and I only knew like a few phrases in Telugu but somehow I ended up communicating what she needed to the person she was trying to communicate with and her problem was solved. I don't know how I did that because I don't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just had better body language yeah. understanding because she she just believed that i did i guess yeah. <laughs> and somehow we were able to communicate and i was able to relay that it's yeah. funny how that works isn't it yeah it really that's really cool though that you were able to kind of 
even though you didn't really speak the language you right yeah no that's really cool now that i think about it i'm really glad we're having this conversation because now that i think about it it's kind of like my experience in vietnam with mm-hmm. those kids we don't speak the same language but we sure communicated a lot and we had so much fun that i was filled with euphoria yeah i don't know what we communicated to each other well i mean that, we that kind of <laughs> that kind of goes back to the old idea that music is a universal language uh-huh. and it you know mm-hmm. it transcends language barriers and even though you're singing in english and they speak vietnamese mm-hmm. they still get the point of the song so yeah yeah absolutely and sometimes i feel like dory in finding nemo you know she thinks she can speak all languages yeah. <laughs> like oh i can speak human i can speak whale i can speak you know and she just wings it you know yeah <laughs> Yeah. And she thinks she's making well and somehow it works. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. 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 Um, but I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, for anybody that wants to check out your music or uh, support or participate in the authenticity challenge or support you as a musician, uh, where's the best place for them to do that? Absolutely. So if you go to blackcountrygo.com, <laughs> you will see information about the authenticity challenge. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to go.blackcountrygirl.com, you can join my email list. Um, and you can also buy merch if you'd like, but most importantly, join my email list so I can keep you updated with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you can be part of the creation process for me because mm-hmm. I like to call on my um, supporter base, my fan base. I call them the bridge builders. Yeah, I like to, I like to call on you all to give input as to what I'm doing and what I'm doing next. You know, I call on you all for, for input. as to what, what should this authenticity challenge be and how should it look like, you know? Yep. So if you want to be part of that community, um, helping um, shape the work I do or giving feedback, please join my email list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you do that by going to go.blackcountrygirl.com go.blackcountrygirl.com and join the community of bridge builders. We're all about building bridges, whether it's through music, conversations, or whatever else, whatever tool you have in your toolkit, yeah. we can use those to build bridges. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. And then uh, to end every podcast, I like to ask the most controversial question I can possibly Uh-oh. ask. Okay. Is it going to get me in trouble? Am I going to get canceled? No. <laughs> Normally, the question is pineapple pizza, yes or no. But I'm going to ask a little bit of a different question. All right. Given that you are a country girl, what is your favorite? This is kind of, I'm associating one thing with the other. When you go to a barbecue, what is your go-to food item that you like to eat? Barbecue. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> usually but usually for a, the usually the um most controversial question i ask is pineapple pizza yes or no why is that controversial <laughs> because you're just being funny in, no 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 no. It, it's actually a very controversial question in chicago really? because pineapple does not belong on pizza but for some reason people think that it does it goes so. on the hawaiian pizza yeah, but in Chicago, we don't recognize Hawaiian pizza as actual pizza. It, <laughs> That's 
for but, it. <laughs> yeah, no, so that. So the answer would be yes for me if you, if it has some kind of meat on it that works. I I can't eat pizza without meat. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so so yeah. long as it has meat on it that works. And then to your what was the question you asked about barbecue? Oh, about uh, when you go to a barbecue, what's uh, your go-to? My favorite thing. Yeah. The actual barbecue meat, but you know the irony. I didn't like barbecue when I came to America. Uh -huh. in, in Cameroon, you know, where I come from, AKA Wakanda, yeah. <laughs> um, we would watch, we would look at these magazines, you know, with American food and like, wow, that's so amazing. That looks so delicious. And, and we would watch the TV and the movies and see the food and they were like, we can't wait to just taste American food. And then I yeah. came to America and I was like, those magazines are lying. Yeah. They're just not good. Because our food is spicy and the food here was just bland. Yeah. And and I did not like barbecue whatsoever. So for my first month in America, I was eating just fruits. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. fruits. But I continued to try a little bit. Like, you know, yes, I tried barbecue. I didn't like it. But maybe a month later, I try again. And maybe another month later, I try again. Eventually, my taste buds got used to And now I eat American food. And now nice. I love barbecue. It's one of my favorites. Nice. What what's um sorry we're we're going off on a little food tangent now because you, you got me all hungry and whatnot <laughs> no problem. uh what's one native dish of you said cameroon is where you're from yeah uh what's a native dish that you miss from cameroon that you can't quite get here or you maybe you can get but it's just not the same yeah oh my god what can i get that's not the same um well i mean what can i not get so there was a dish we called timanambusa. Okay. <laughs> and and it's like, oh, or sometimes we call it kwa koko and banga soup. <laughs> it's not that it, yeah, it's not that easy to make it. I have eaten it when I go to like African Cameroonian parties. Yeah. Um they're better, but I, I can't make it on my own. It's just too yeah. complex. Um and so but yeah, I miss that. I miss that. And we have my 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 neighbor was she used to make the best timanambusa yeah. <laughs> and kwakukwa banga soup. So each 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 tribe in Cameroon has its native food, its its mm -hmm. its staple, its main staple. Mm -hmm. And this timanambusa is the main staple in the region where I live. Now I don't belong to that tribe, but I live in that I live in that part of the country. Yeah. And, and so my neighbors are actually belong to that tribe and they were just the best. Nice. Awesome. Well, Sorry, some background noise just started here. Oh, it's all good. I figured it was a plane flying overhead or uh, you had some rain coming in. It sounded like thunder there for, or not. Yeah, I think it's someone in a motorcycle. Motorcycle, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Okay, we'll uh, close the window. So. No, it's all good. But um, I want to thank you so much for jumping on. It's been an absolute blast. You were asking what we would talk about for almost, or for an hour and a half, and if it would <laughs> right? actually take an hour and a half. And <laughs> it took an hour and 15 minutes, which <laughs> close enough. I'll take it. I, I know. I was like, what would we talk about for an hour and a half? You're like, don't it, worry, it'll be 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. It's all, it's like, and that, that's when people ask, I don't really like saying, oh, it's going to be this or that. But you know, sometimes it goes a half hour. Sometimes it, I, like I've had I've had podcasts that go three hours. Like it just kind of depends. But right. uh, <laughs> um, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you everybody for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later. Thank you, and I am looking forward to your version of the authenticity challenge. <laughs> awesome.
All right. Take Perfect. care. Yep. Bye.